All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. I tell you, we've got an interesting guest today on our uh, official Zoom call here slash podcast. So before I get started, my name is Brian Barkia. I'm with buildmyreputation.com. And we've got uh, two special guests. One is John Franz. He's uh, he owns Franchise Clearly. They are a group that specializes in franchise resales. And then one of his hopefully very happy clients at this point, Francis out of Pensacola, Florida, just sold her UPS franchise. Congratulations. Thank you. You excited? I am excited. Very excited. Now, I, we'll, we'll fast forward to the ending. What are you doing right now? Where are you? I am currently in Branson, Missouri. We took off as soon as we were out of the store, and we've got a three-month RV adventure planned, and we're going all over the country. So, very that exciting. Fun. Very cool. Probably not, something you you could... <laughs> Probably not something you could do if you, already, if you, were, if you currently owned your franchise business, huh, UPS? I would not be able to do that. So, <laughs> so yes. So I got a few questions for you, Francis. We'll start with you. What, um, why did you decide to sell your business now? I mean, what led up to this decision? Well, we had, um, we owned two the UPS store franchises. And after about 27 years, we decided we were ready. It was time to retire and um, uh, sold one of our locations last year through uh, using our corporate office. And it was a very long tedious process and um, was ready to put the other store on the market and had listed it with our corporate office and was not getting any traction. Um, and that's what led us to franchise clearly. Oh, is that right? How long was it listed before you, you kind of threw your hands up? Uh, just under a year, probably. Okay. And um, we actually had a uh, a store owner that had sold their store um, about a year or so ago and that had used franchise clearly. They stopped by the store to visit and chat. And um, after listening to their story, I was ready. I was ready at that moment to uh, give John a call. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Like what, um, so, so it didn't go you, that franchise clearly was not your plan a you li first listed with the franchisor which seems like a logical decision right but what, what where were you other than not actually getting to the closing table like what was the experience like i'm not trying to throw them under the bus but uh, from my perspective unless someone called the corporate office and stated, I want to purchase a UPS store franchise in Pensacola, Florida. That was the only time they ever marketed the store. They didn't actively market it. It was just they sat there and just waited for people to call them asking about a specific market. Um, whereas, as we found out very quickly with franchise, clearly, they actually market your store. It was a completely different experience. Yeah. And, and John, talk to me a little bit about that. Like how is your process refined over the years? So where you're getting these kind these types of results? Yeah, no, great question. So basically it's, it's a team approach. 
And we had, we developed the software about 15 years ago to streamline everything, to make the process more efficient. So with, with the team approach that allows us to break the process down into specific areas. So for example, we have a credit underwriter. His main role is to look at the financials and underwrite the deal. So when I tell every seller, when a seller comes to market, we need to package the business. We use a five-step process. Step number one is what I call seller profile. And that's where we package the business. Mm -hmm. So when we package the business, we, we underwrite it. We, we evaluate it. Uh, we, we make sure that the, the cash flows are accurate. We help identify because when we look at the seller's profit and loss or their tax return, you know, all small business owners minimize that for tax purposes. So one of the big things is we need to calculate what the EBITDA is and what the, the seller's discretionary earnings are. And then we can take it out on the market with the lenders and the lenders can actually pre-qualify the business. So if we have a $500,000 business for sale, uh, we don't, we're not looking for buyers with 500,000 liquidity. We can actually find a buyer with maybe as little as 50,000 liquidity, depending on the pre-qual from the lender. Right. That's one avenue. Yeah. You know, and, and I, from our previous interactions, uh, I know that it's more likely than not that you would have more than one buyer competing for a business. Of course, there's, there's more, there's more, uh, there's more buyers than there are good businesses to offer them. So what happens? I mean, is that true? I mean, do you have multiple buyers uh, in, in a lot of cases looking at the same business? Yeah. And a lot of them have missed out on other opportunities. So they're ready to go when it, when it, when, when uh, Francis's deal goes live, we, we can look in our system and we can see uh, how many matches there are. We had 598 matches uh, in our system with her deal. So when, when we go live and we have everything fully packaged, we can go directly market to those 598 buyers uh, in addition to all the additional marketing we do. Right. And these, and these buyers, I mean, they, they have to pre-qualify themselves of sorts and we run them or you run them through the process. Uh, what, what happens typically when you have more than one buyer interested in the same business? Uh, that's the, that's the fun part. Uh, when, <laughs> when, when, when we, you know, our, our, our role is to help get them pre-qualified, get the, get the buyers qualified. And then, Let's say we have hundred buyers in the platform. We're, we're here to help motivate them to make an offer. First, we need to get them pre-qualified and get all the info to them, but then our, it's our role to help motivate them to make an offer. Once we get an offer and everything's automated in our system. So if we have hundred buyers that wanna make offers, we're set to go. We've got hundred full price letter of intents, asset purchase agreements. When one buyer makes an offer, we can click a button, everything's automated. We can notify the other 99 buyers, letting them know that we have an offer on the table. And that's when that's when it gets fun because that's when the buyers, you know, they'll they'll reach out to me and say, Hey John, I want to make sure I don't miss out on this one. I just, you know, they may have just missed out on one previously. Which means they're they're tuned up, they're ready to go, and they're yep. they're ready to move quickly with, yeah. with best uh, best and best offers. Yeah. And that's when the market takes over and, and we just let them know, you know, 
because they'll ask us, they'll say, Hey, what do you think they'll accept? And we can't legally, we can't share with them what other offers are, or what, what, even if we thought we knew what the seller would accept, we just let them know, give us your best and highest offer. Uh, and there's a lot more to it than just purchase price. So a lot of sellers, they think, oh, I, I can get 500,000 for my location. Well, they don't think about the three pages of other deal points that we have in our LOIs that we need to consider. You know, who's getting the deposit back? Uh, who's paying for the upgrades and the enhancements and the transfer fees and the lease assignment fees? And the, the list goes on and on. Excellent. Well, that's a, that's a good that's a good summary of kind of a look under the hood. Francis, uh, from your perspective, like what were the sequence of events that happened when you sold your business? Like, how did you get there? Um, are you talking about once we listed with franchise clearly or before that point? Yeah. Once, once you, once you got, once you were listed with franchise clearly, like what was the communication like and how did, how did you see things from your, from your perspective? I feel like they held my hand the entire time, took me step by step. So at the beginning stages, we submitted all of the documentation um, that they had requested, which helped them to put the packet together that uh, John was speaking about. Um, so we had a lot of, had to do a lot of legwork at the beginning to get all of the documents ready for them. But then that made it easier as time progressed. Um, he, John did mention about the website and we had access to go to that. So we could, every time we uploaded documents to them or onto the website, we could see that it was there and keep track of, of all of the things that were going on. So that was a good, a good benefit with their, um, with franchise clearly is that you are able to to see on the website all of the documentation everything that's going on is all listed there so you can kind of keep track of everything whereas our previous sale we were in the dark i felt like the whole time we were constantly having to call in and check and make sure that they had what they needed or uh, if there was something else that they were requiring we were never we were never kept in the loop before so this was completely different it was a completely different experience that must have given you a lot of peace of mind to be able to log into the web portal and see exactly what's happening on your particular deal and who they're having conversations with. That is correct. Yes, it was it was completely different experience and, and that made it that made it just a from the buy from the excuse me from the seller's perspective that just made all the difference where you could actually see where you were in the process. So Okay, excellent. And John, like how did how your system that, that has been uh, developed over a series of years, I mean, how did it work in Francis's case? Do you have any numbers to share? Yeah, I know we we listed on 10-8, so October 8th. Yeah. Uh, the ads were posted on 10-19. So it takes it sometimes takes a week or two to get the, the business packaged. Uh, we're waiting on financials and tax returns and lease agreements from the sellers. Uh, and then we're waiting on prequels from the lenders. And then uh, it actually closed on April 25th of 22. Okay, excellent. We, we received the offer from the, the one buyer on, uh, we met with the buyer on November 3rd. We received the offer on November 10th and the APA was executed on November 30th. Okay, excellent. 
So in business sale terms, that came together relatively quickly. It, it did. It did. And usually it takes, it takes a while. Once we go under contract, it, there's, a, there's a lengthy process to get from that point to the closing table. Mm-hmm. And we have a due diligence manager on our team, and that's all he handles. So he works hand in hand with not only the seller, but with the buyer and all the third parties. Uh, because again, we need to get the buyer approved by not just the seller, but also the franchisor, uh, the landlord, the lender. And it's a quite lengthy process. Each, each one of those third parties has a, an application process that we need to jump through hoops. Yeah, we've seen that before. I mean, you know, typically selling your business for a lot of people may be the largest transaction they'll ever do in their lifetime. Um, it could be really dangerous to go it alone, I would imagine, if you're not, if you, uh, if you don't follow these particular steps or you, you handle something incorrectly, not only could it kill your deal, it could get you some in trouble. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, there's, we've been through it over the years so many times. We know what to expect. And that's, that's really what we're trying to do is we're trying to help all the parties know what to expect so we can eliminate surprises. If we eliminate surprises, then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get to the, the closing table quicker. Sounds good. Well, speaking of surprises, Francis, uh, did anything surprise you or did you make any mistakes you, you, you'd like to make sure that nobody else makes? I can't think of any surprises and that's a I think that's a testament to the team and that's being truthful there were no surprises because they let us know at every step you know where we were in the process and what was expected and um, we didn't sit and wonder what was going on we always knew and and that was just a um, so different I keep going back to that but just different from the experience we had in selling the other location so Uh, I am. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's fantastic to hear. I guess uh, in business terms, surprises are usually not a good thing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Sounds Uh, good. But did so did you if you had to do it over again, Francis, I mean, would you do anything differently? I would list with franchise clearly quicker, (laughs) (laughs) sooner than. But that was. Yeah, I think that would be the only change. Um, I think that would be the only change is just get with them sooner. So Sounds good. You know, one question I wanted to ask you before, before we conclude, John, is, you know, how did you go about pricing Francis's business? And in, in, um, in, in what, talk to me about what that process is like, because that's, you know, that's a question that rightfully so, is on the front of everybody's mind is if they're thinking about selling, you got to think next, well, gosh, how much is my business worth? And is it going to meet my expectations? And how is that going to impact my quality of life going forward? And is it going to provide the financial security and freedom that I'm really looking for? Like, so how do you begin to answer that kind of questions? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of different methods to evaluate a business. Uh, Again, we have a credit underwriter on our team. So when we gather all the financials, we upload them into our software and put all the numbers into our software. Uh, and then we can see everything side by side. And I always tell sellers, we have a moving target. So I won't even ask the sellers what they think it's worth. I'll, I'll tell them what I think it's worth based on, based on 
the input from our credit underwriter. So again, when we look at the profit on a tax return, we don't, that doesn't really tell us much. What we need to do is we need to calculate the EBITDA. We need to calculate the, the seller discretionary earnings. We need to calculate the cash flows because that's really what the buyers are buying. They're buying uh, not only the assets, but the top line revenues, but most importantly, that cash flow. And the numbers need to make, uh, make sense. The numbers need to work. If there's 200,000 in cash flow, we need to know that because the buyers will need to uh, take out a salary and they'll need enough monies left over to service any debt that they take on with the SBA 7A process. So that's what we'll do. We'll, and we'll compare those to other UPSs that we've sold or have sold all across the country. So that way, when we go back to the seller, we can let them know. In this case, I think I went back and said, hey, we need to price just under 400,000. Uh, and it's based on comps and it's based on uh, prequels that we can get from the lenders. So that, that's how we evaluate. A lot of, uh, a lot of others you know, try to use a percentage of revenues. Uh, and I never, I'm not a fan of that because we could have two stores doing 600,000 in revenues. One's making 150,000 a year, one's making 20,000 a year, and they'll never sell for the same amount. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, and I would imagine whatever number that you agree to with the business owner and, and go to market with, the fact that you have multiple buyers really helps you maintain that price integrity. So, you know, it kind of insulates you from a lot of that negotiation, that, that the pressure for negotiation, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll go to market. And like, in this case, we had two offers. Uh, and it's because, you know, it's priced right. If it's overpriced or, or even if it's underpriced, we need to make sure it's priced right. Uh, and I believe, I believe Francis mentioned uh, you had it listed with corporate prior. I did. Yeah. Um, was given no guidance whatsoever as far as helping with coming up with a price to sell it, um, which we had it underpriced uh, after discussing this with you. Um, we raised the price and then had multiple offers. So, um, Wow. Talk about a good situation was, there. Yeah. And what, what, what did they, what did, what did you have it? What did you start it at? At 350 is where we had it with our corporate office. Okay. And okay. then, with you in 98. And it actually sold. Do you mind us sharing with everybody what it sold for? Um, yeah, we sold it for 378. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Excellent. Excellent. Well, Francis, is there anything else that uh, that I should be asking you that you want to communicate? I'm I'm in vacation mode, so I can't think of anything. <laughs> John, or, John and I are stuck in our offices. You're, uh, you're on yeah. vacation mode. Oh. At least your office is in the mountain, Brian. Yes, the, the magic of your virtual backgrounds. <laughs> well, Francis, I don't want to uh, take up any more time from your uh, three-month-long vacation. What happens when you get back home? Um, we're home for a couple of weeks and we take off again. 
You're living yeah. the life. I love <laughs> it. Thank you so much, yeah. Francis, for your time. Yeah, thank you, Francis. John, any final thoughts from you? No, I, I really enjoyed working with Francis and James and, and uh, appreciate her time. I love it. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And, uh, and Francis, go ahead and uh, have some fun for John and I, okay? I'll do it. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much, Francis. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.